0: Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new work from our free online publication, Etched Onyx Magazine. Please join me and co-host Melissa Collings after the reading when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. This podcast and all related materials our production of Onyx Publications. All works, stories, and poems are copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Today's story is Spoonfield Theory equals love plus love equals lover, written by Arlene Tribia and narrated by TJ Cedar. Settle in and enjoy.
1: Spoonfield Theory equals love plus love equals lover by Arlene Tribia, Read by T.J. Cedar. Fever Dream. The Palmer House Hotel, Chicago. Any hotel might mean glasses of whiskey, sherry, or secrets told to a lover in a darkened room. In this city, which is Chicago, there was a time when everyone made their way to the hotel, from office workers to presidents and politicians to movie stars and singers like Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra and Barack Obama. But when I think of this hotel, I think of my Aunt Julia, who once met with her sailor lover there. Was it only once, or were there other trysts, secrets? I inherited a tarnished teaspoon with a Palmer House marking that she had saved for years, hidden in the back of her bedroom nightstand drawer. I remember being alone in her bedroom, sitting on the edge of the bed, holding the teaspoon in my small palm, gazing at the letters stamped on it when I was a child. I was too young to understand the meanings it held, but old enough to see blurry reflections of something arriving as if from a dream. None of us in the family could toss the spoon aside when the time came to clear her drawers of that strange accumulation of leftover fragments all of us seemed to leave. Turns out that loves and lovers aren't necessarily fluent with truth over drinks. Even if I still do believe the promise held in her teaspoon, in the story hidden within family law, my brother recalls a never-worn wedding dress stored in plastic wrap hanging in the attic. I'll never know her afternoon of perfume roses I'm certain he must have brought for her that evening they spent together, or the sherry's small prayer she swallowed as it passed over her tongue, or was it a glass of champagne with a nibble of chocolate-dipped strawberries, or maybe... It might have been chocolate mousse on small white dishes before he plied her with a small bouquet of kisses. I'll never know if the pianist played floating notes on the piano that evening after she left her accounting work behind in the office with its endless columns of numbers and how even they eventually added up to predict the erotic event horizon in her mind. How an astrophysicist would snicker over this horizon's crossing What she counted on, when some things a lover says never add up, how my brother would never in a thousand years ever admit that she died of a broken heart. She kept what they used to call a hope chest. Whenever she opened it for me to peek inside, a sweet cedar scent filled the air, like the trees and yet unlike any tree because the sun and the sky was missing. I remember seeing the stacks of white linen inside, along with small boxes stacked into neat rows of hope, saved for some day that never happened. Years later, I'll often meet up with friends in the Palmer House hotel bar, for coffee or a glass of wine, or when we were feeling like the city was burning Cosmos or brownie Manhattans. Then without fail in my dreams that night and for many afterwards, I'll be wandering around the hotel's carpeted hallways, searching not for a room or a door opening, but a good book to read, a mystery that can be solved in a single reading. My Aunt Julia was the only person who read to me as a child. She was the one who taught me to read and fall in love reading. In this odd way, I'm still searching for her. I feel like only an otherworldly Sherper of books and broken dreams can help guide me through the hotel with its endless rounds of halls and beyond the doors to the downstairs gift shop to buy a book I already know I'll never read, just as I'll never find her again. Yet I feel like I have to hurry. My friends waiting at the bar have trains to catch and dinners to eat and it isn't long before they're telling stories about what we're all talking about now, our coming reckoning with rainforests, rivers and rainwaters. It was all over the internet today about a seven-year-old boy making poetry from rainwater, mud and flower petals somewhere in the Himalayas, not to save the world, but to hold the mud and leaves and feel the holy waters of psalm songs wash over his small palms before the disappearing. We talk about this endlessly. We all do. What words will save a river? Us? What does a seven-year-old boy know about the lost poetry of rain that we've forgotten? There's more talk, blah, 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 of other disappearances. Rivers, salmon, songbirds, childhood friends, fireflies, butterflies, loves, lovers, favourite dive bars, trains and dinners missed. Meanwhile... My aunt is upstairs in one of the hotel's rooms, her lover taking her into his arms, holding back time until their kisses become the poem they'll make together. A villanelle built from their rhymes, refrains, loves and losses. This feels true to me now, even though her footsteps in this world left years ago. My aunt Julia taught me to hold a pencil, make the shape of the letter C and read, C see one day we'll see on one horizon i'm back at being seven years old again holding her secret spoon then opening a storybook waiting for her to reappear the only way she appears to be now are in dreams or dream sentences afterlife is a kind of sentence you could say see I'm writing this, you're reading this, and then on some future horizon we'll dream about the rain, the lightning, the clouds. How beautiful it is to remember, even misremember it. These memories, that memory, the memories we made together before some trapdoor inside the cosmos opens for our losses. Then here we are. Reimagining love, falling into it like taking a dive into a swimming pool or gazing into a spoon on a summer's day when the rain's falling kisses feel both soft and warm and maybe even a bit sweet as the sun's light passes over us. And for a few seconds, it's kind of like a fever you're just beginning to feel coming on. And you learn to see how a kiss with a lover lasts and will last for an eternity. As my older brother, the physicist I know he must be, in one of his other multiverse lifetimes, keeps writing unseen equations within the air of his deep mind, deciphering one bedazzlement and allurement after another, While he sorts through row after row of leftover spoons, he knows must fit together somewhere, somehow. Say, like a lost love who arrives like a wonder, a surprise. Sleepwalking through desire just to be held and spoon with a love again and be loved in this otherworldly dream before our secrets flare, then disappear.
2: You've just listened to Spoonfield Theory Equals Love Plus Love Equals Lover by Arlene Trivia. Welcome to the post-story portion of the podcast. I'm your co-host, Melissa Collings, once again joined by the intellectual giant, JW McAteer.
0: <laughs> Hello. <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> it's my it's my challenge now to come up with something. That's really A great good. descriptor for you. That's yeah, one of my that's favorites. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Today, we have Arlene on the show to talk about her short story, the one that you just heard, and her life as a writer and artist and so much more. Welcome, Arlene. Hi. Thank you for having me. We are so excited that you're here. Arlene is a multi-form creative who is intrigued by the human mind and the story behind Just About Anything and Everything. She loves to be surprised by mental creations, new meetings, and the wonder that's at the core of humanity. So let's find out more. Who is Arlene Trivia?
3: Are you asking? That's your cue. That's, yes. that's <laughs> your cue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, who is Arlene Trivia? Oh. Um I have to say that ever since I was a child, I've always been either making something or daydreaming about something or dreaming about something. And basically, I feel like I've been exploring the imagination, the imaginal realm.
2: I love that. Yeah. So what else? Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where are you from? Well, I grew up in Chicago in a small town called
3: Hegwish, which is actually on the south side of Chicago. And I lived there for most of my life. And then we moved to Florida for a while. And now we're here in Portland, Oregon, because our kids are here well they're growing they're adults but (laughs) so so we followed them we followed them here and here we are and what I find is every city has a particular vibe that evokes Mm -hmm. different kind of creative responses wherever wherever I am and that's what I find I don't know if you would call perplexing intriguing vexing interesting fascinating it's just it's It's amazing to me how a life a life can unfold when you live in a different city. It just it has a different vibe, no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, the the
3: environment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, the built environment, and then you have the people environment, and then you have like the weather environment. All those things kind of create a special place, I guess, everywhere.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. I think it was Picasso who said. uh, he couldn't create certain paintings that would not come forward unless he was in that particular place at that particular time. And I think them have something to do with even, you know, creative ideas, how they kind of sprout in different areas of the world at the same time. And how, how does that
2: even happen? That's so true. I don't yeah. know. I have don't you know. have you read the book Big Magic? I think it's called Big Magic. I have. Well, that have. reminds me that of the, what you're talking about is like big magic. Where the, these ideas come at certain times, yeah, and they're they come to different people, and like they're not accepted, they go to somebody else. I thought that was a fascinating way of. I did too. <laughs> presenting I thought that was, an idea.
3: Yeah, I thought that was her explanation of that was was completely true and fascinating. That ideas are out there. We have to kind of, we have to kind of uh, be there, be available. Yeah. For- for them because
2: if you pass it by it, it's like i've got to be here i've got to be expressed in this world so i'm just going to go to somebody else and yeah. so true true huh. fascinating yeah. yeah it's it's very interesting that book is interesting but it a lot of what you um the vibe that you're giving off are, reminds me of that book and the ideas and how because you you're more like an idea person and um, from what i gather so far yeah. yeah,
3: I do. I do. I do love the ideas. I just want to mention, uh, maybe a little bit earlier in your podcast here, the Creative Act: The Way of Being by Rick Rubin. I don't know if you've seen mm. that book.
2: Mm-mm. No, I
0: have
3: not. It takes big magic. <laughs> it amplifies. It amplifies the what same is it called again? It's called the the Creative Act: The Way of Being. And I discovered him through a podcast, Ezra Klein's podcast, mm. I believe. Forward. I don't know. Malcolm play. I'm not really sure, but uh, uh, Malcolm. Quiet? Oh, yeah. But what were you see?
0: JW. You know? No, Malcolm. He's just he's a big idea guy.
2: He is. Oh, I yeah. like his books too.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk a little about this story. How did you come about writing it? Where did it come from? Is it personal? Like you know, I assume it's uh somewhat <laughs> what it is. Is laughing. I don't know why. It is, it is. She's right. She's right. She should laugh. It is
3: personal but it's fictitious. She knows. <laughs> <laughs> she's I mean, like me. She know, I was right quietly way. laughing. <laughs> I know, yeah, you were
0: muted, but I could see it.
3: <laughs> no, no, she's she's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it is, so it is. Tell us it about is. it. Well, it, you know, it started as a poem, actually. Really? Yeah. It did. And I find that a number of things start with little seeds of ideas. Like you said, I guess I am an idea person because I will have notes in my iphone i will have notes in my notebook i just take everything down because i never know what will turn out to be a good idea what will evolve and so that particular piece did become uh something larger Hmm. in fact i had another piece that started as a poem and i turned it into a longer short story that was just published last year so i mean you just don't know i keep fiddling with things i i go back and forth i keep revising and you know so
0: that's great well, so the idea for the poem then, the spoon imagery. The spoon. Yeah. Yes. It's the spoon.
3: That was yes. that was a poem. That was a poem about my aunt, which is true. And I do have her spoon.
1: Oh, you know, okay. He, yeah. And in fact so,
3: when I, I, I was at the Palmer House and I met um the person who gives who used to give tours there of the Palmer House and I told him that my aunt, you know, had Saved a spoonie, so we won't (laughs) won't hold her accountable to that. But Uh, but (laughs) it was just a precious, very precious. I've always wondered about it. It's been a mystery. That spoon of hers has always been a mystery. So I just used it as a, uh, you know, a little seed. Jumping oh,
0: yeah. so this was like a spoon that she stole from the cafeteria or from a place where you eat there or something, not well, from?
3: It's, mm, how can I explain this? <laughs> <But> like, it <laughs> it's is, a dicey area. I would say she kept it as a memento of a time. And this is, again, this is probably the fictional part. Like, why would she keep this particular spoon? But it's, you know, family histories become embellished and forgotten and remembered, misremembered. And this may be one of those particular okay. times when that happened. But I think more importantly, which I found fascinating as I was journaling, and I would recommend all of your listeners who write or paint or anything to journal, uh, Julia Cameron's uh, Morning Pages, The Artist's Way, Three Pages a Day, really helps mm. immensely with that kind of um, creative process. But anyway, the... In the story, the letter C, that that holds really meaning for me. When I was journaling, I discovered that I can still see that index card that I held in my little hand with those pencil marks. Wow. That, that they were kind of illuminated, I would say, yeah. that I was surprised at how this came from a pencil.
0: Huh.
3: You know, it, it's like the end of a pencil near a child. It's like, this came from the end of a pencil. And I've just been, I think I've just been following those, that line for my entire life. Any kind of line, like a drawn line, a written line. Interesting.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Well, Don't I was you just... two? Wait
3: a minute. Don't you two do that? <laughs> just... No, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? Are you guys outliners? Are you guys outliners?
0: No. Well, hybrid. Huh? hybrid oh gosh. i
2: i used to not be i was a hardcore pantser and then i had to revise so many times that i decided to plot a little bit more and so i don't know i i think there's benefit to both but i don't like to be restricted too much i'll put it that way yeah i agree yeah. i agree yeah. but the i have fun not... is in the
0: discovery yeah. Right? Yeah. yes yeah. absolutely
3: yeah absolutely
2: and huh. Yeah, if you're limited by an outline or by you know, then I think you're doing it wrong because you have to give room to the creative genius.
3: You really yeah. do. And both aspects have their advantages and disadvantages, and people are pretty adamant. The pantsers and the outliners, they are both like, "No, my method works. No, my method works." But yeah, right. and I like JW. It's a hybrid. That's probably <laughs> that's probably <gasps> yeah, yeah, a great way I was, to go.
2: I was reading an article the other day about somebody who had won an award, and he said he had outlined all the time but then he followed Stephen King's method of just taking this idea and just like your line following it wherever it went and that's the that's what won him an award and that made me curious i thought cuz some people are methodical planners mm-hmm. but sometimes when you plan methodically you can see the the structures and you can see the the uh, writers putting
3: Filling in the blanks yeah,
2: yeah yeah like yes yeah. and you can see that and it that takes away some of that creativity for me and makes me feel i don't know makes me feel weird and wiggly inside <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> strange yeah. but it yeah. does i was thinking about just this the other day but yeah okay let's continue back are, to before are, this they this discover show has
0: already been like derailed i, don't I know, know i know yeah,
2: derailed no. and yes i try <laughs> gonna... to keep it off of myself before people realize uh, how strange that I am. So let's talk about Arlene's strangeness. Okay, but right. you know you know, I did wa- I did
3: want to say that that um when you do not outline when you choose not to outline a story or a novel or anything, you will go down roads that probably lead to a dead end. You know, a yeah. lot of things mm-hmm. won't work out. It's like that in painting as well. You will mm-hmm. go you will you will try a lot of things. There's all, an awful lot of I wouldn't say failure, but an awful awful lot of
2: experiments that just do not work,
3: which is I think that's a good thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Part of the process.
3: Yes. Part of the process.
2: I'm really curious about your other creative endeavors. However, I am wondering, this started as a poem. What made you transfer it into a short story? Like what happened there? When did you decide, okay, this is more than a poem?
3: Well, that that goes back to my writing process. uh, A lot of my poems do become either flash flash fiction pieces or short stories, or I like to collage things. Uh, I add things in. I think I write very minimalistically at first, and then I keep adding things. So it came in during the revision process. I started revising, and I think, well, I have to clarify this, so I'll add another sentence. I have to clarify that. Then I will Mm -hmm. add another sentence, and then before you know it, there might be dialogue and then I, I don't know if you've noticed that i brought in like you the the second point second of view person, there yeah. the second person point of view there so sometimes i like to do that it's it's not like i planned that that just happened and i basically just allow whatever wants to come through come through hmm. i like it well
0: it, it appears to me that your approach is almost uh, hyper creative It's is really interesting and uh, from the materials that you sent in on your background and your website. Yeah. You know, you do all kinds of creation is what I'd say, you know, with with art, with glass and drawing and painting. So, how did you come to this creative process? You said that it was since you were a kid, you were always imagining, but I guess from an expression point of view as a professional, did you start with art or did you start on the visual side or did you start with words, writing side?
3: Good question, JW. <laughs> I I think I would have to say that, well, I spent a lot of time alone, so I had a lot of time to daydream Ooh. and develop my imagination. And this is something that I just discovered, you know, when I became an adult. It wasn't something that I cultivated intentionally or anything. It was just mm-hmm. I was I guess I was just a natural daydreamer, and. I just kept that ball rolling. That's kind of what I feel my philosophy is of writing or making art. Every day, I try to paint or write or both or draw. And just even if it's one sentence, I will open up a file on the computer and start revising a poem. And if it's five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, a few hours, it doesn't matter. I just set the bar really low. And that way, I always accomplish something every day. So that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. You know, I like that a lot. That's yeah. been extremely helpful. And yeah, that's really been my process.
0: But you've had art and exhibits and Yeah. Poet laureates picking your poetry. So um do you just huh. I mean, how do you how did you uh, I don't know where the question's going.
3: Well, I can I can <laughs> I can I'm not sure. I'm not sure either, but I mean I could tell you I here's what I really I really believe that Certain things want to be born in the world that, for whatever reason, and if I send something out, I don't methodically send something out. I just say, hmm, this is interesting. And I really should be focusing on marketing or the commerce aspect of art making, but I have to say I don't. That's definitely my weak link. Right yeah, I think yeah. that's the weakest it's link the most of a lot unfun. of creatives. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, the marketing, it's like I wouldn't even know what to do. I mean, I think I just pick some some places and I say, I'll just send this out. Like, for example, that poem that was picked by Billy Collins, that was just, I sent the poem out to an obscure magazine called Marjorie, Mar- Margie and uh-huh. um, somehow...
0: And he found it.
3: Well, it was this this book. is It's quite a... number of pages in the book so i think people rifle through things that's why i say things just want to be found in the world i have no idea how that works but it works somehow and a lot of things don't timing is everything timing is everything so if things are not published now maybe they will be later you know right right who knows
2: i like that attitude and i think that's true and one thing that you said makes me curious is you said you spent a lot of time alone. Now, is that as a child? And I don't yes. want to pry into your like... Yes. You know, if we go, if we get anywhere uncomfortable, please say, hey, I don't want to talk about that. But I recently did a silent retreat and I've read books about um, being in silence and how you need that. Like everybody needs that. And so let's talk a little bit about that silence, because I feel like you were also maybe I wouldn't say maybe against technology, but I did see where you were um Felt like technology was a, a steal, you know, a thief of the imagination. And so I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. And I think that's very curious. It's been on my mind a whole lot lately. So do you feel like being alone, maybe withdrawing some, was beneficial to your creative process?
3: Definitely, definitely being alone with my imagination. And, and I wouldn't even call it being alone because, like I said, I was a daydreamer. I would go places. I yeah, never felt yeah. lonely or alone. I mean, I just, Ooh. I just enjoyed the aspect of discovery, and I think I mentioned to you earlier, or I had written something to you that my mother worked nights, so I was alone. Um, my brothers were there; they were both older, but you know, they, they, they have their. <laughs> they would either, they would either torture me, or, no, well, or ignore I, I don't mean, I don't mean that. They wouldn't torture me, but you know, they, you know how, how kids are older brothers they but so i really had a good uh a good time with my being alone with my imagination and i would say back to melissa's idea of going on a silent retreat i mean i admire you for having the ability to sit with your thoughts and be in silence and you know not say anything. If anyone who's been in a class with me, they know that I'm a talker and I have been since grammar school, but I have no problem. I have no problem just, you know, not talking for hours at a time when I'm alone, but, and yeah. maybe that's why when I get around people, I just, you know, I
2: talk. Yeah. It's, there's a balance. I mean, I, yeah. I being silent is not for everyone all the time, of course, you know, but I found that to be a truly transformative process for for myself personally it was things coming together that I just my mind had been so frazzled before with all the things you know all the things of life and constantly you know if I'm in line somewhere or if I have a downtime I pick up my phone
1: Mm -hmm. I'm kind you know
2: like let me check Facebook I actually don't check Facebook that much but um (laughs) you know social media is Never mind. We won't go there. But well, anyway. we could. We could. We, we, I yes. Know, I know. Distraction. But I think, it is distracting. Yeah, but distraction. Yeah. We yeah. live in a time where people are always, they're afraid. Not everybody. But a lot of people are afraid to be alone with themselves, to be silent. And I wonder, do you have any, someone who's not afraid of being alone, do you have any advice for somebody who might try doing that for developing that muscle? Because I think it's a skill.
3: I think you would be better off giving that advice. Well, <laughs> so you're the one who went to the silent retreat. <laughs> so I'm just I'm a weirdo. Just, I'm a weirdo. I'm just, I mean, I I this is a question I, I, I have to ask, but um if you feel uncomfortable, but I wanted to know like when you're silent, things come up, like you said. And yeah. That is because you don't have a pencil, right? You're you're not drawing or painting or writing, right? You're alone, are you meditating?
2: I allowed myself to paint. Oh, okay. So then, okay. And, and write. Yeah. I did not okay. write um, m- most of the time. I did not write for the purpose of my usual fiction. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, things do come up. Yes. Yeah. In Ignore that them. Silence. Ignore them. Say, go away. I'm doing this now. <laughs> no, I mean, sometimes in the silence when things would come up, yeah. I would just like, embrace it. But like, I... I like I said, I truly am a strange person. So I meant the if, critical voice. That's what
3: I'm talking about. If the critic, if the critic comes in when you're
2: painting or writing,
3: which yeah. I well, have that with Yeah. And I yeah. just yeah. say, Go
2: away now, we're not we're not later. Exactly. Right, yeah. Right. You you have I work through those things. Like why am I having those feelings, you know, and get to the core of it? Because I think everybody there's everybody has a reason for being here. And, you know, feel free to cut this part out if I get too um too philosophical here. But I think everybody is here for a reason and everybody should be celebrated. And so and but we ride this roller coaster of feeling good about ourselves and feeling not so good about ourselves. But ultimately underlying it all every day, I ultimately like myself. Sometimes I'm irritated with myself, you know, and I want to get away from myself, you know, (laughs) but ultimately I feel I have worth, but I feel like everybody has that same worth. So that's where that comes from. So that being alone with that critical voice is, for me, okay, because I'm able to talk through that, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm ultimately, that's not shaking my confidence. And I mm-hmm. think it's important to be able to work through it because then you don't have that fear of it coming up. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Arlene? I think
3: that's fascinating. I think that's definitely true. It's definitely true my my impulse is just to is to ignore that voice while I'm creating otherwise otherwise I would be uh, I don't know what I would do I just I just ignore it it'll probably yeah. if yeah. I went to a silent retreat it would all come out
2: <laughs> 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 all
3: these all these ignored ignored critics
2: would, would no. Die. I think you'd be able yeah. to yeah handle yeah. it yeah but yeah they can so, take you over.
3: I did want to ask and I did want to uh, I was wondering because both of you are writers. Do you feel called to write, or is that something that you know you grew into (laughs) from childhood?
1: I know JW.
3: Well, come on, I'm just
0: laughing because you warned us about this. I know I did, I did, (laughs) I I did. But I'm curious. I'm
3: curious if you're like me at all.
2: (laughs) You go first.
3: Who me Um, or JW? JW, JW, yes, yeah.
2: Yeah. Because I'll talk a lot. I have to be careful. Well, I'll keep
0: it brief because normally we could go over, but we we have another interview and she has a hard stop after this one. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I've always been one of those folks probably like you, Arlene, in a lot of ways. You know, I think a lot of people are like this. You have these ideas and you get inspired by various things in nature or just in your life or experiences or whatever. And you think, wow, this is powerful. I want to share something from it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's painting, maybe it's writing, I don't know. Um, So, yeah, I I would say that's kind of my experience. And on the writing side, have I always wanted to be a writer? Not necessarily, but language is an easier way for me to express and communicate and share than, like, visual arts.
2: Okay. So, Melissa. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good answer. I, when you said, do you feel called to write? Mm-hmm. I don't. I've never felt called to do anything in my life, except I have had the call to be open to whatever is in front of me. And so that is where I find myself in this life space, is open to writing. Uh, right now, I enjoy writing more than a whole lot of anything else um, creative. And I'm a, I'm a painter. I'm in medicine I love all of those things, but right now the door is open for writing
1: mm-hmm. and
2: and I'm enjoying that phase of my life. Now I don't know how long the door was gonna be open. Maybe it'll this is where I'm supposed to settle. I don't know. But I am just open to being here right now.
0: Okay. Now back to the interview. <laughs> 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 Maybe you've already answered this, but do you have a different mindset? or approach, or feeling that you're trying to get out of folks, does it change when you're creating something visual versus something written?
2: I love this question.
3: Well, poetry is an entirely different ballgame than like say, writing an essay, I think. Mm -hmm. Certain elements of it are similar, but poetry, I feel that you have to, or at least I feel like I'm invited into a certain space can't just get in there hmm I mean I couldn't just say I'm going to write a poem today that's not how that works (laughs) for me yeah that's not how that works but uh yeah so it's all it's all different it's it's just different it's like inhabiting different spaces I guess that's Mm -hmm. the best way for me to describe it when I paint there are a lot you know you're looking at different materials you're you're um A lot of different decision making things come in to play, whereas in writing, writing, I kind of just follow the line and see.
0: Well, um, okay, And so then the whole Library Congress Poet Laureate Uh thing, Uh I think listeners might want to know about that. The um, Poetry 180 project. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: So let's clarify that one of her poems was selected by the former poet laureate, Billy Collins, included in the Library of Congress Poetry 180 project. So, because that might be confusing to listeners who might not know what we're talking about there. Mm -hmm. So tell us more.
3: Well, uh, as far as I know, each poet laureate is, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but kind of responsible for promoting poetry Across the country and you know around the world, <laughs> if they're mm-hmm. lucky, but so they pick a certain way of doing that. Like they will go uh, visit communities. They will do workshops. They will, uh, I don't know, create this Poetry One Hundred and Eighty website, which is for the it's it's for one hundred and eighty days of the school year to introduce students in to mm. in, into the poetic uh, realms and. I think he suggests that when they have morning announcements to just pick a poem and have the students uh, listen to it, even if you don't understand the poem. I mean, that's the thing about poetry. You don't have to understand it. You just kind of let it wash over you if you don't understand the poem and read hmm. it twice. And you may never understand it. And I think there's an inherent kind of mystery built into so many poems. In fact, and you might find this, you know, both of you might find this to be true, that if you've ever been in a reading uh, workshop or critique group, that everyone sees something different in your work, yeah, yeah and you right. just like, <laughs> you're
0: like, whoa, I didn't mean that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's cool,
3: and 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 actually, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's and you are not the best, and I will just come out and say this: that the writer or the artist is not the best judge of their work because <gasps> this particular dare you, yeah, I'm well, this not. particular poem was actually, I, you know, I was meeting a friend for coffee. She said, "You know, you should send this out." And I was like, "Oh, really?" Aww. So I would never maybe have even sent it out if she didn't suggest that. Wow! So that's how I say things kind of work their magic in the world without us even even having to force it. I think if doors are closing, that 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 may be a sign that either you need to go back in and revise and do more hmm. work. And, you know.
0: Yeah, you know. sound like. A lot like, um, and I know Melissa mentioned Stephen King already, but in reading his, some of his books, he he's like a translator. Like he doesn't cl- he doesn't take credit for the ideas that come out. Yes. he basically says like I sit down and this stuff just shows up, and I'm yeah. I'm like yeah. the conduit. Yeah, and that yeah. um, yeah. yeah. sounds a lot like what you're saying.
3: Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's definitely a part of it. I mean, I couldn't possibly do all. <laughs> On my own i couldn't possibly well, you have. i couldn't possibly well i have. like i said i've had help i've had you know definitely the world is my muse basically i've
2: definitely yeah. had a lot of help i mean so
0: yeah all right so maybe a couple more questions
2: and then we need to wrap this
0: up unfortunately
2: okay well this is my favorite question is do you have a writing quirk something that you do before you write or something that you have around you I mean it can be it's like you listen to music it can be as simple as that but anything that you do when you write
3: no and the same with painting no I've learned to cultivate creativity like you don't know how many things I've been in the car circle <laughs> <laughs> waiting like, like for picking up children yeah yeah oh. I mean so no I definitely have learned to just uh write
2: or create you know anywhere are anywhere. you able to get past the noise like some people have to have it quiet or they have to have a certain kind of noise can you do just anything in it whether it's quiet or busy or just anything you can always just do what needs doing
3: i would prefer silence i have to say that i would prefer silence but can i write in the cafe sure can i write in yeah. car sure but pre- preferably i would i would love to just have silence in order to create anything
0: yeah okay second and last question and then we'll do our our last question so you've had several stories published and i noticed on your website you had sort of a um hmm, not not an instruction manual but sort of a support piece about writing and submitting and getting your work out there do you have a process that you use for identifying where you're going to submit and then sort of tied in with that is out of curiosity, uh, why did you choose Onyx or Go- Etched Onyx Magazine?
3: Google, <laughs> Google Google's is a, your method. <laughs> Google is my method. Google is my method. And and the I, Google. Yeah, and Submittable has that. Discover, um, right? You know that I use that. I mean, right. I just try different things. I look at, uh, I I will look at the bat of Best American Short Stories. I will look at Poets and Writers right. Magazine. I will look anywhere just to see like where I could send things. But then I and then of course. I write it down. You guys, Arlene, you should submit there, and then I don't. And then, you know, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Then the next round. Yeah. 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 Well, and so why did you decide to submit to us?
3: Well, Because I never, I, I thought it would be interesting to have my short story, my, well, it's a flash fiction yeah, hybrid kind of thing. I thought it would be, mm-hmm. to hear it read, I think that that would be just, fascinating i've never done that before yeah yeah cool yeah okay. yeah. yeah why I'm did curious. you why did you pick it because <laughs> <I'm curious. laughs> we liked it oh so, i mean you had a lot you had you have a lot of a lot of uh people sending things in
0: <laughs> well, yeah we have a good amount yeah we do. yeah it's fun yeah it's it's so great to even when we you know have to turn pieces down i always try to tell people how much we appreciate having the opportunity to read their works because it takes a lot of effort to, um, especially for new writers and we're trying to help new writers to, you know, get your works out there and put them in front of other people and they, you know, semi judge them right by accepting them or not. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we're just thankful for that opportunity.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Anyway.
2: Okay. Definitely, That's always fun. I like knowing that answer too. And I think it's a big draw to have the different aspects of this podcast. You know, do you get to talk to the author and then hearing your work aloud? Yes. And it being interpreted by somebody else? It's like we were talking about earlier, you know, having um, how people see it. A friend of mine had her audiobook just read and she said, I never would have thought that anybody could take it that way. And the, huh. the narrator had taken it to a different place and she liked it, but yeah. it just wasn't what she had had in her head, which was interesting. So, yeah, that is. I think that's great. Well, shall we dive into this last question?
0: Yes, indeed.
2: (laughs) So Arlene, the last question, no pressure, is share a piece of writing advice that you have or a writing reference for any new writers that you wish you had had or wish you had known when starting out.
3: I would definitely say you have to ignore the critical voices. And even if one person, like if you have a teacher, if you're in college or in class, one teacher should not be the uh, the person who thwarts your dream of being mm-hmm. a writer. That's what, if that's really where you feel you're going. And again, like I said, if you're in a, if you're ever in a critique group, a writing workshop, you will see how everyone has a different idea. And that particular teacher, critic, book reviewer has an idea that may or not be true. I so, think
2: that is yeah. a great piece of advice and something we haven't talked a whole lot about. Is getting past the criticism, yeah, as because you can. We as humans tend to focus on the negative, right? And one person can really destroy you. You can have a bunch of people like something, but that one person who doesn't like it can really just bum you out. And- <laughs> yeah, you'll think about that yes, one. Right. That one might. Of- <laughs> yes, yeah. and you can let that kind of crush you. And uh, I had somebody recently read a piece of mine. And other people had loved it. She ripped it to shreds. And it Aww. it kept me from it kept me from moving forward for a few days. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I think that's beautiful advice, Arlene, is to not let that that one piece of criticism keep you down. Yeah. I'm great.
3: I would like to apologize for that person who did that because that was <laughs> that was not that, that was not nice. I
2: mean that was oh, I feel like she that- Oh, it yeah. actually was well-meaning. She's just Was it? Aus- yeah, it, it was. <laughs> I mean- I, Tough it, love? Yeah. You know, some, everybody critiques differently too. They have a different manner in critiquing. So you kind of have to hear what they say, what they mean rather than what they say as well. And mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, sometimes you get attached to your work. And you're like, I like it that way. What are you talking about, you right. incompetent boob? You know, <laughs> yeah,
3: that's true. But it is a projection. You know, they are projecting themselves onto your work. So yes. she probably has a very critical voice. It's you know, interesting. Yeah. It's just, did, yeah, yeah. It's just unfortunate that you had to be there to receive it.
2: Well, I think I'm, right. I'm following your advice there. You know, I'm not going to let Good. just one person, Good. you know, get, get me down. And I don't think anybody else should either. So thank you for that. And thank you for this interview, it has been a delight.
3: Well, thank you for having me, I really appreciate it. It has been fun.
0: Good, I'm so glad to hear that. We really do try to make it fun. Yes, you did. Good, good. All right, Arlene, well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, We're so thankful to have the opportunity to read your work and to share it on our website and in the podcast and everything else, so I hope our listeners enjoyed it and enjoyed hearing you, and we look forward to seeing what else
3: you create. Well, thank you, JW and Melissa. It's been great. Take care, Arlene. You take care, too.
0: Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please do us a huge favor and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to tell your writer friends. Ratings and word of mouth are our best tools for expanding the reach of the magazine and podcast. The Story Discovery Podcast is a free narrated podcast of works that appear in etched onyx magazine edited by j w mcateer all stories and poems are available at onyxpublications.com that's o-n-y-x publications.com if you're feeling extra generous you can support us at patreon.com slash onyxpublications or buymeacoffee.com slash onyxpublication with no s. As a nano publishing house, we are always looking for new works to showcase. If you'd like to submit a story or poems for consideration, please visit the submissions page on our website. In the meantime, keep reading and writing.